Goff's three minute. Your story. Cause knowledge is In December of 2012, David Martin of Bletchingley, Surrey, United Kingdom, intercepted a message not meant for him. A message deemed so vital that two separate messengers were sent out in hopes that one would make it to its destination. The encrypted message, written in a series of five-letter columns, would need a codebreaker to read it. Eventually decoded, it told of an enemy troop movements and their coordinates in neighboring France. The message, unfortunately, arrived 70 years too late. The enemy it spoke of was the Nazis as they closely guarded the coast of France in anticipation of an Allied invasion. An invasion that would actually take place in Normandy on June 6, 1944. Martin intercepted this message simply by remodeling his home. As Martin was prepping to remodel his fireplace, he had removed a few boards and began cleaning out the debris that was behind them twigs and ash, the normal fireplace rubble was there, and then he happened onto a few tiny bird bones. He thought nothing of it until he pulled out the foot, and attached to it was a small red cylinder that encased the above-mentioned coded message. Martin had found a World War II homing pigeon that had met its end in that same chimney many decades earlier, his message long since forgotten. Homing pigeons were used in both world wars as a means of getting messages out. Over 250,000 of these pigeons were used in World War II alone. They could fly hundreds of miles back to their destination at speeds of up to 70 miles per hour. Royal Air Force bomber crews even carried them on board their planes during missions in the event of a crash. Case in point, in 1942, one pigeon named the Dutch Coast traveled over 288 miles with an Allied SOS message from a downed flight crew in just under seven and a half hours. Since carrier pigeons only returned home, they could not fly both ways, so they would be dropped behind enemy lines using tiny parachutes and then outfitted with a message to be sent back. It was standard for two pigeons with identical coded messages to be sent out in the event one would not make it due to enemy fire, hawks, or a myriad of other obstacles they may encounter. Now going even farther back in World War I, the Allies had begun using carrier pigeons as communication. Things like the telegram were still rudimentary and the lines were constantly being cut or just non-existent. The carrier pigeon allowed for reliable communication in a fairly speedy fashion. The early open cockpit planes of the day would send out messages on pigeons mid-flight with updates. Tank crews would send their messages about their movements back to headquarters. The birds were especially effective on the front lines. As troops hunkered down in the trenches, it was a fast, reliable way to get messages to the rear. Even after the radio became available, pigeons were still favored due to the size of the radio and position you needed to be in to receive and transmit messages. A radio call would involve the radio man seeking higher ground and setting up an antenna which left him vulnerable to enemy fire. You could simply release a pigeon from the safety of your own foxhole. How homing pigeons navigate and find their way home is still somewhat of a mystery. U.S. Geological Survey geologist John Hagstrom has been intrigued for years by this and spent a lot of his career examining homing pigeons and their knack for navigation. So here's where things are going to get a little bit nerdy. Pigeons can hear in a lot lower frequency than humans can. They can hear down to 0.1 hertz. Now to put that into perspective, 
We as humans can only hear down to about 20 hertz. So pigeons can hear sound that literally comes from the vibration of the Earth's crust itself. As the Earth moves, it creates vibration, especially over water, and pigeons can literally see that noise as they mentally map the geography of their surroundings based on these vibrations. And this is how they find their way back to their roosts. I told you things were going to get a little bit nerdy. His theory was based on the fact that during European pigeon races, pigeons would get confused or lost whenever supersonic airliners, specifically the now-retired Concorde, were in the area. The sonic boom created by their speed seemed to throw off the pigeon's sense of direction and path home. Now, while this is impossible to 100% prove, his theory has been given a lot of credence and accepted as our best solution to this question. While homing pigeons gained fame for their aerial heroism, perhaps no bird was more famous than Cher Ami. The French and British had been using carrier pigeons throughout World War I, long before the Americans joined. But when we stepped into the fight, we quickly caught onto the idea and utilized it as well. Cherami successfully flew 12 missions in his short career, though his last was by far his most impressive. He was stationed with the 77th Division of the American Expeditionary Force, stationed in France. The 77th was under the command of Commander Charles W. Whittlesley of the 308th Infantry Regiment. It came to be forever known as the Lost Battalion. Their mission was part of the Hundred Days Offensive, an attempt for allies to push into German-held territory and break through the Hindenburg Line. On October 2, 1918, they pushed their way into the Ardennes Forest with the goal to capture Hill 148. They were flanked on either side by American and French forces. While they were successful in capturing Hill 148, their flanking support was not, and they became surrounded by German forces. For five days, the 77th held the hill while the Germans fired upon their positions with artillery and grenade fire. American forces attempting to assist the battalion began artillery strikes on the German forces. Unfortunately, at some point, their coordinates and targeting went awry and they began shelling Major Whittlesley and his men. While they had been successfully communicating via carrier pigeon early on in the siege, their recent attempts had been unsuccessful as German soldiers would shoot down every bird they saw take flight from the hill. They were down to their final homing pigeon. And as friendly fire continued to pour in, they took Cherami from his cage and sent him out with this message. Quote, We are along the road parallel 276.4. Our artillery is dropping a barrage directly on us. For heaven's sake, stop it. As Cherami arose from the hill, the German forces opened fire on him and he sustained hits in his breast and leg. He managed to stay in flight and made it back to headquarters where they were able to stop firing on the hill saving the lives of Major Whittlesley and his remaining troops. Shortly thereafter, the 77th safely behind American lines. Cherami lost a leg on that mission and was retired. He was shipped home and died the next summer in June of 1919 in Fort Monmouth in New Jersey from his wounds. He was stuffed and is on display at the Smithsonian Museum of American History. For his actions, he received the French Croix de Guerre with Palm, a gold medal from the Organized Body of American Pigeon Fanciers, and in 1931 was inducted into the Racing Pigeon Hall of Fame. In an age where we have instant communication to anywhere in the world in real time, it's fascinating to know that less than 100 years ago, our best option was simply tying a note to a bird's leg 
and letting her fly. Class dismissed. This podcast, written, produced, and narrated by Isaac Goff in Wild Wonderful, Wart County, West Virginia. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs>